All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're exploring Munich with travel journalist Melissa Corbin. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. It will expand your brain. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Travel Tuesday for Millennium Money. I hope you guys are doing well. This week on Travel Tuesday, we are headed over to Munich, Germany. So we recruited a friend of ours who is a travel and food journalist and a fellow podcaster, Melissa Corbin, to give us a tour of this booming German city. Melissa just traveled to Munich for a couple of assignments for a few different publications, magazines, and her own podcast, of course. Uh, and even though this was her first trip to the Bavarian city, uh, Melissa gives us the lowdown on why Munich is such a cool and diverse place to travel. Check out our chat with travel journalist Melissa Corbin as she talks about surfers and nudists in Munich and about her cool new podcast, Corbin in the Dell. So don't forget to check out the link to her podcast and other places we mentioned in this podcast on our website. You always want to check that out. We have some really cool links up there. So check it out. So enjoy this conversation with travel journalist Melissa Corbin as we tour Munich, Germany. Well, 
Awesome. Thanks, Melissa, uh, my uh, travel and food journalist friend, uh, from joining us all the way from uh, Nashville. But but thanks for talking about all things Munich that you just came back with uh, from a few weeks ago. Well, thanks, Jeff. You know, you and I met on the road a couple of years ago in kind of a German-inspired area, wouldn't you say? <laughs> well, exactly, right in the, in the Midwest there in, in Hardy, Door County in Wisconsin. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 all we, and, and although it wasn't that hardy because all we did was a, a lot of drinking that, that trip. So. <laughs> well, we, what, we snowshoed a little bit, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind <laughs> of. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for coming on talking about about Munich and and this is your first trip to Germany, right? It it was. Well, uh, yes, it was my first trip to Germany, and it was actually my first trip as a journalist okay. somewhere outside of the country. So, yeah, uh, there was a lot of firsts for me. <laughs> <laughs> first, that's that's awesome. So, what was what was your uh, impression about uh, about Munich then? Well, you know, Munich is the third largest city in all of Germany, uh, and it is the capital of Bavaria. And if um, people have ever heard of Bavaria, that that is one of, I, th- I think it's, what, 16 federal states within the, the country of Germany. Mm, right. So, right. But Munich, you know, the Munich proper has about a little over a million um uh, people living there. And it's all walks of life. You know, when I first got there, I thought it was going to be, you know, very, um, you know, blonde hair, blue eye, white people. (laughs) And that was, that was furthest from the case. Uh, All nationalities um, and all socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, the cultural diversity there. Um, it was. I found it very interesting. There is a uh, large uh, tourism population from people from the Middle East. So, uh, with all of those different cultures that are are coming into this city, uh, you can't escape the fact that uh, while the bratwurst are delicious, <laughs> um, that the cuisine of that area uh, is just it is so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but now let me tell you, I can have me some uh, bratwurst and potato salad every day if you ask me to. Right, but but that also seems like it's. A, I love going to to cities like that and discovering like what. Yeah, you 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 think it's going to be the stereotype of what you think it might be, and then you're like, oh wait a second, there's so many people of color and stuff like that, and that feels really inclusive, doesn't it? Most certain. Uh, in fact, um, of course, when when I was in Munich. Um, Hurricane Harvey was harping down on uh, Texas, so it was interesting to see uh, how um, curious the, the the folks over there were about what was going on. Of course, I'd see all the headlines in the newspapers, and I couldn't read a thing, so I was anxious to get back to my hotel room at night to be able to read what was going on because, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends and family in that area. So, um, so I mean, were people actually interested in, in the hurricane stuff? Because I think during August when you were there, a lot of Germans are actually on vacation too, probably even the U.S., you know what? I hadn't even thought about it from that angle. Um, when when the hurricane hit, um, it was interesting to me, all of the headlines in these German papers. Of course, I couldn't read a word of what was on the headlines, but you could you could clearly see that Hurricane Harvey had made headlines in, in Bavaria. And um, 
I was asked often, you know, how close did I live to that area and um, asked how um, the U.S. was handling um, what was going on in that Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. And well, and one of the things I think you experienced too, and I think from a cultural perspective uh, that I've noticed too when I've traveled, you know, and and you could get this anytime that any anytime anybody's in office, but I think particularly here in the U.S., uh, you know, our our current uh, leader of the free world is not so popular there in Germany, is he? <laughs> No, you know, and I, I had I enjoyed having conversations because you know they're they're right smack dab in the middle of their elections. And mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, so, am, that is a good perspective too. Yeah, I am Team Angela. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but not everybody is. But it sounds like she's probably going to make another term. But um, it was people people were a little. Um, how do I say this? They waited for me to introduce the subject because they didn't know, obviously, where I stood politically. But um, at one point on the trip, and I don't even believe I was in Munich because, mind you, I went to several different cities. But one lady uh, who I just, we got along like peas and carrots, but she hugged me at the end of our visit. And she says, Melissa, if there's one thing that I wished you would share with your friends is that us Germans love Americans. We just don't like your president. (laughs) And I certainly don't want to speak for all of Germany, um, but I I will say that a a large majority of people that I I spoke to about this subject um, were, uh, let's just say that we painted with the same shade of red. (laughs) Right, right. And (laughs) those are some of the things I've experienced too when I've traveled internationally since since November of last year. So yeah, no, I get it. Uh, one of the things I think that you know Munich is such a great you know um, uh, city is that they also have a pretty good uh, transit system too, right? And 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 did you find it easy to get around? I think that's important to for sure. cities like that. In the beginning, uh, I got to tell you, and mind you, I flew into Munich. That was my first stop in Bavaria, so I was a little jet lagged when I first got there. Didn't know the language, all of that. So uh, once you get used to how everything is set up, it's extremely easy because for a single day pass of somewhere in the neighborhood of six euros, I I can't remember exactly how much it was, but you can get a single day pass and that gives you 24 hours. There's, there's three separate lines. There's uh, the S train, the U train, you've got the tram. Actually there's four because you also have the bus. That pass will let you own any of those transits. And as as soon as you can familiarize yourself with their map of, of how transit operates and get get a clear understanding, uh, it's a breeze. Um, I found that the last day that I was there, because I was there for two days, and then I went on to some other cities, and then I came back in for the, the final day of the trip. Um, there, So uh, Munich is broke down into... Uh, a bunch of different boroughs. Um, how many were there? 25 boroughs, actually. And if you can find kind of like a home plate, and for me, for example, that last day was uh, Lay Hill, which actually means locals, but it's the old part. Of, it was actually the oldest borough in Munich. But if you can find kind of home plate, and even if you get lost and you don't recognize names on the, the, the map in the middle of the subway, if you can find that home plate and kind of count your stops, 
you're golden. And the other thing is, um, even if you're sitting beside someone on the train that doesn't speak your language, they there. It was really cute. There were a couple of times where it was clear that there was a look on my face of like, where the hell am I? And uh, I remember at one point, this one lady kind of stood beside me and helped me see where I was. And she, you know, she she motioned, you know, you had count seven stops, and that, that's all I needed. So, right, yeah. And I think I think that's that's a sign of a good a good and friendly city too. It's an extremely friendly city. Um, you know, there's a German word, and God forbid that I I will butcher the pronunciation of this word. Um, but um, hang on, I'm looking through my notes because, gosh darn it, I'm going to tell you what they, they told me. <laughs> uh, because Germany is very, um, it's a cozy, laid-back environment. And I'm looking for this word. Forgive me. Right. Go ahead and talk to me. I'm going to tell you as soon as I find this word. Oh, here we go. All right. Uh, y'all, don't make fun of my German. <laughs> it's gem- gemutlich, G-E-M-U-L, uh, excuse me, G-E-M-U-T-L-I-C-H. Right. And it's a specific German word, and it it totally sums up who they are. They're just very pleasant, friendly people. Right, and, I, and I've experienced that with other countries too. That they have like one word of just like oh, and this you know that's just the vibe of who they are, mm-hmm. and you know. And I think that I think that's cool that that you know, especially if you've never traveled over there, that that's an interesting thing to to learn about. Going oh, okay, cool. That is that that is an interesting place that I'd like to you know, go check out someday. So what were some of also the, the, the cool and interesting things that you actually saw in Munich? Yeah. So, um, I stayed in two separate boroughs while I was there. The first couple of days I stayed in a little area known as Nymphenburg mm-hmm. and, um, back long, long time ago, that used to be a farm and, uh, it was Germany's first summer home, if you will, the Nymphenburg Palace. Uh, So this whole little borough is built around this palace. And when I say palace or summer home, I mean, it's a big ass place. (laughs) Right, right, I I don't know how many acres it was. I would, I would assume a couple of hundred acres or in German, I guess that's hectares. But um, so built around this area, it's my understanding that it was a fairly uh, wealthy part of Munich. Uh, I stayed in a hotel by the name of Hotel Lehmerhof. Um, it's a three-star hotel that'll run you somewhere in the neighborhood of 145 euros a night. Um, they have a little uh, loner bikes that so you can bike around the little area uh, called Nymphenburg, and you can go over there to the palace. And at the palace, if if you're not a museum person, and you, there's there's huge gardens all around it. Um, and I think back uh, during when the Olympics were there, what in seventy two? Seventy two, yeah. Um, the, there's some little canals through there. That's where they rode. And, um, you know, there's a new attraction there where you can, uh, ride a gondola in, in one of the canals. Right, right, right. And off to the right, like if you go through the palace and out through the gardens out back, there's this really cool botanical garden and they've got a restaurant there. Uh, and I sat and had uh, some turkey schnitzel with uh, some cranberry sauce with it. It was 
it wasn't quite Thanksgiving, but it was, it kind of had that feel <laughs> to that. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, so if you're coming in from the, the city center, which is where all the shopping and all of that is in um, Munich, um, actually, if you're on the train, you would, you would go to Marine Platz and that would put you out where all of, the, all of the hustle and bustle is. But if you came back out about 20 minutes to a, um, a stop called Roman Platz, that's, you would get off at that bus stop and you're maybe a half a mile from Nymphenburg Palace. So, and then from Nymphenburg Palace, it's another maybe half a mile walk to the Hotel Langerhof. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business. So you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is its simple and easy customizable design so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Chris Christensen from the Amateur Traveler podcast. The Amateur Traveler podcast is about the love of travel. It's about where to go and why you should go there. We're going to open up to you different destinations you haven't heard of or places you have heard of but things you didn't know to do while you were there. Each episode is about 45 minutes long and it's typically an interview with someone who wrote the guidebook on that destination or who has been there or who's a local tour guide or someone who is an expert on that destination and knows how to tell you what to do to get the most out of your precious vacation time. So if you value your vacation time and you want to use it wisely, listen to Amateur Traveler and learn about destinations both domestic and international, places you've heard of 
and places you haven't. Amateur Traveler has almost 900 episodes talking about different destinations. So if there's a place you want to go, odds are we've already covered it and can help you plan a trip there. Amateur Traveler, subscribe today. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Gotcha. And then they also have a little car museum there that people might have heard about. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. They're celebrating the... Uh, uh, 100th anniversary of BMW. Uh, it's 2017. And uh, it is on the other side of town in a little borough, um, rightfully known as the Olympic Borough. Um, so uh, there's an Olympic Park there. Um, and that you can go up in this tower and see the views of the Alps and the city and all of that sort of thing. But the BMW Museum is there, and there is also a tour that you can take to actually go through the assembly line. I did not do the assembly line, but I did do the museum. Um, there's a car that BMW gave Elvis in, in the exhibit. That's cool. Um, actually, the first motorized BMW was actually um, – uh, meant for the road, I should say, because the first BMW motor was actually for an airplane. Um, but it was a motorcycle. Um, so, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say, I mean, it, I'm not a huge car buff, but um, if you are, you could probably spend a lot more time than I did. I spent about an hour there and had a great time. Yep. Right, exactly. And I think one of, one of the things that I think either people have seen this, maybe, uh, you know, on the web or the, like, how are people surfing in the middle of the city like that? And hey, how are they surfing in Germany? Um, but tell us about the surfing in the middle of the city there too. Oh, you're talking about what was the name of that little river that ran through uh, the English Garden? Um, yeah, yeah. There, any time of day, um, the next. It's kind of on the outskirts of um, the the little borough that I was talking about. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 
my, my German is just awful. The Allstadt Leheld Borough, if you go off beyond there, there's this real trendy little neighborhood, and it's got the English garden in there. And when I say English garden, I'm not talking, you know, lilac and whippoorwill. I mean, there's all these big shade trees. It's a big, gigantic park, and you, you can walk and bike through it. There's several beer gardens. I mean, there's beer gardens, by the way, all over Munich, but... Um, but anyway, you can stop along um, this little side bridge and watch people surfing. Now, the river, from what I understand, is butt-ass cold. So <laughs> right. all of the Mo- surfers. Time, yeah, even during the summer, they're, they're in a wetsuit. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But they, but they will actually surf when it's snow there, too, which is crazy. If it's not frozen over, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Of course, Munich, people think, at least I did, I thought Munich would be a real snowy place in the wintertime. But they really, they have snow, I think, like in January, but that's about it. So, yeah. Right. Right, right. And didn't you sort of experience another kind of park, or there's a, there's a part of the, the, the park? <laughs> I know too? what you're talking about. <laughs> so, tell, tell us about that. I think we might be. To us. So, um, the last day I was in, in Germany, um, I, I had some free time, and I thought, well, I'm going to go back over there to that English garden and watch, watch those surfers. And I wanted to go to, um, there's a, there's several beer gardens in, in that park, and, um, I I was walking through this trail and uh I I saw another American family it was a a man and his wife and their two children and uh come to find out I think they were from Chicago I wish I had gotten their names but I asked them I said can you point me to the the um I think it was the Chinese Tower, they called it. It's kind of the English garden. is the, the, the beer garden's up underneath that tower. Anyway, he says, okay, what I'm about to tell you, you're going to see something real weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, are you talking about the nude park? <laughs> and the two kids behind him, they couldn't have been more than, I'd say, 10 or 12 their eyes were just big and they were laughing. And I said, you got an education that day because right to the back of them, I mean, if there were one, there were 400 naked people in the middle of Munich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, and, then, all, and it was all kinds. <laughs> right. And, and so that's a, that's a part of the park that you could actually go and just check it out. Right. Yep. Or, and experience. So yeah, if you're into that, there you go. And it was funny. So I, I actually uh, stopped off and got some ice cream at this little side beer garden on the outskirts of the park. And I sat down and uh, had a um, uh, opera house beer sitting there watching these people come and go. And you could tell the people that were going to the, the nude park. <laughs> right. And it was, it was, you know, they had their chairs. It was obvious that that's where they were going. And it was all ages, all walks of life. <laughs> I did not take pictures. <laughs> you did not take pictures. That's, that's, that's good. Instagram wouldn't let that anyway. No. So. Well, right, right. it depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends. It depends. Yeah, exactly. So so you mentioned that the beer gardens, did they live up to their reputation of, of – like just really awesome beer and, and just a great setting to hang out and relax yeah, and have a beer. Yeah. And, you know, um, Germany is a lot different than Americans. You know, sometimes Americans get a little overboard that, you know, with their keg stands and all of that kind of stuff. Germans don't necessarily drink to party. It's 
it's a, like a little little break in your day. You're not going to see people uh, slugging beers back. They're sipping on it, which is what it was meant to be in the first place, right? Um, <laughs> but the the beer gardens varied, uh, and it was really neat to see, like, uh, say, a group of older men sitting, uh, you could tell that they were, you know, what's the old saying about as long as, uh, there's old men talking about the weather. <laughs> well, right, right, that's right. what they, that's basically what they were doing. And, um, you know, there were families that, for example, if you going back into the city center, there's this area, um, I call it the Vittle market. It, I mean, it's the, it's their farmer's market. There's a huge beer garden in the middle of that market. And when I say huge, I mean, it's massive. And they invite in all of the local breweries. It's kind of on a rotation of who's being served. Like their most popular is the Augustiner beers. And um, that's what was being served the day I was there. But you can have a reserved spot where you're having dinner and enjoying your beer, or there's just this massive onslaught of people that are coming through the doors that day. And I think they close down at say like 10 o'clock at night. So it's not like beer garden closes at dusk. Um, So yeah, I I would say they lived up to my expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, you mentioned before too about you know the the, the food and the, the real German food that they have there, which yeah. is, which is really great and stuff. But you also experience like different food. They have, there's some really good. There's a veg, uh, some veggie restaurants, and even even yeah. Italian is is hugely popular there. Yeah. So there's a running joke uh, that Munich is the most northern Italian city in Europe. <laughs> of course, uh, further down my travels. Uh, some of the other cities contested that claim. <laughs> That's funny. But there is, I mean, no kidding. You can't throw a rock and not hit an Italian restaurant in Munich. Um, so there's too many to to go into detail. But I will say, when I was staying over at the Hotel Lamerhof, there's a cool little restaurant, I mean, just around the corner from that hotel uh, called Risotto that um, is phenomenal. Uh, great wine list, that sort of thing. Then um, over at Hotel Opera, um, um, which that was where I stayed the last night. It's a four-star hotel. It's it's incredible. That's in the middle of um, um, the district that I was in on that last uh, last part, the Allstead Lay Hill, and it's kind of within walking distance of the English Garden and all of that. At any rate, um, they have a partner restaurant uh, called Gondel. Uh, now, actually, it's French cuisine, um, but I had a um, some, some octopus that night, that last night that I was there, that was probably some of my, my favorite octopus I've ever eaten. Uh, but across the street, there's several Italian restaurants there. And, you know, while I was sitting, everybody uh, eats alfresco, uh, at, at weather permitting, of course. Yeah. And while I, was, while I was sitting there, these uh, two guys came up and played uh, Italian music uh, on their, their accordion and sang, and that was really neat. And, I mean... There's an opera house right there in the middle of that borough. Um, so, oh, and um, Italy, uh, there is an Italy there. The Mar- Mar- Marbitali place, yeah. Yep, yep. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the vegetarian meal that I had there. Um, so, there 
sister restaurant in Vienna is a Michelin-starred restaurant, and the chef de cuisine there, uh, his name um, is Christoph Mesker, and Mesker, believe it or not, means butcher in German. But it's a complete vegetarian restaurant, and it's one of those places, you know, you're served multiple courses, and they are well on their way to receiving their Michelin star. One of the th- one of the dishes I had, it was this, um, the bread that it was baked in, the bread I don't think was actually meant to eat be eaten. It was more of the, the vehicle that everything was cooked in. It was these beautiful heirloom carrots with a stalk of lemongrass in it, and so that bread was meant to envelop the lemongrass that was scenting the carrots and it comes to the table and there's this real dramatic presentation and they come and they cut open the bread and this the 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 scent of the lemongrass just permeates the area and then they they present it on this bed of other real pretty produce and then comes this curried cardamom sauce over the top and it was just phenomenal uh, the amuse bouche was even fantastic. Of course, I was there in the summer, so the uh, watermelon was still in season, and um, so they they served this. Um, it was almost like a deconstructive gazpacho. Uh, mm. So it was little pieces of watermelon, and I think there was some cilantro crema in there. It was it was it was extraordinary. It was by far my favorite meal. Right. Um, and and now somebody somebody listening to this podcast at work is, is dying uh, for you know they're 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 star- starving now because you're making them hungry. But so the name of the restaurant is yeah. Tian and it's T I A N. So if you are on the subway and you get off at Marine Plots, and I forgive my German, I'm. I'm not even going to make any apologies. Um, There's all kinds of shopping, and um, there's all these neat cathedrals and museums. I mean, it's kind of like the center of town. That's why they call it the city center. But if you go to the little farmer's market I was just talking about, and then curl back around to the back end of it, Tion is a very nondescript little place. If you didn't know what you were looking for, you would miss it. But it's within walking distance from Italy that I was talking about. There's all kinds of things over in that area. But what was really neat about that restaurant, it's in a hotel. It's at the bottom. And forgive me, I'm forgetting the name of the hotel. I did not stay at that hotel. Sorry, guys. Um, but there is a really neat um in the center of the restaurant, this patio, and that's that's where I ended up eating. And one thing I must note, all over Bavaria, not just Munich, but um, Tian was my actual, actually my first meal there. It's an incredibly dog-friendly city. Mm. And uh, there we are in a restaurant that is working toward a Michelin star. And the next table over the people had the sweetest dog uh, that sat at their feet and slept the whole time they ate. But my point is that... that there in Germany, they treat their their four legged friends like they should, like their family. And um, yeah, the dogs don't have to sit outside and drink water all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, that that just lends to an inviting sort of atmosphere too, and stuff. Yep, yep. And one other thing I'd like to mention is for, while we're on the subject of cuisine. Everywhere you go in Bavaria, you're going to be offered something called a Weisswurst. Have you had it? 
No, I have not had that, but I, I think I've heard of this one. I took a photo of it in Garmish while I was in Garmish, but I took a photo of it and I was going to Instagram it. And I did not because it tastes a lot better than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> it um, it's, it's made out of ground veal, so it's really light in color. It's almost, I mean, vice versa means white, white sausage. And they serve it with a pretzel and sweet mustard. But it's minced veal with, say, parsley and lemon and mace. And there's some onions and ginger and cardamom in there. And they, they basically boil them. And when it comes to the table, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be in a bowl of really hot water. And you're going to take that sausage out of the water. I'm telling you this because I, like an idiot, the first time I ate it, I didn't know what to do with this sausage. (laughs) So that way, not everybody has to feel like I did this. So anyway, you pull the sausage out of the water and you cut it open longwise and you get it out of the little skin that it's in um, and discard that skin and then use that sweet mustard as uh, you know a condiment and dip that sausage in that mustard it is just it's the sausage was good uh, now i am a bratwurst girl but uh, i'll i'll take some vice versa every now and then <laughs> right right it, it'll set your world right yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> And the extreme from the veggie, the, the the wonderful veggie restaurant to the great sausages of of Germany. Oh, and the other thing is pig knuckles. You'll you'll see those everywhere. Um, like um, the Augustiner, uh, the the brewery there in Old Town. Uh, they actually have a window out front where you can, as you're walking down the street, it it almost looks like a bunch of rotisserie chickens, <laughs> but it's pig knuckles. They're pig, huge, pig knuckles. and they're huge, right? Uh, I would recommend splitting it with someone. I mean, I actually met met a man. I believe he was from San Diego. He and I, I would assume it was his son. They they favored one another, but this man was eating his own pig knuckle, and it served with. Um, Usually a potato dumpling and the the au jus that comes from the pig knuckle, you dip that dumpling in there. And it's it, the smell. It, if you are a carnivore, you are not going to be able to pass up on those pig knuckles. Yep. That, that, that sounds good to me. I'd, I'd, I'd take down that pig knuckle. So. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as beer goes, um, Oktoberfest is just about to start up. Um of course, it's the largest one in the world, um, and uh, I obviously I'm not there for that that period of time. But it's leading up. People think Oktoberfest; they think October, but it's leading up to the first Sunday in October. So uh, there'll be it, it. That'll be a massive event in Munich. Um, so if you've not already gotten your tickets for this year, wah, wah, you'll have to wait till next year. Next year, uh, yeah. Yeah. And as far as um, sightseeing goes, if you if you're if you're still intimidated by taking the train and whatnot, there's the Gray Line sightseeing service. So you pay for about 22 euros for a 24 hour pass. It's a double decker bus with a live uh, narration and you can get it in pretty much any language you want. But you can take that bus, and it has uh, periodic stops, including the Nymphenburg Palace, for example, or or the BMW Museum. You can ride this bus all the way around for twenty two euros, and uh, it's it's very English friendly. Right, 
Right. You know, if right. you get lost and get confused, just hop on one of those buses for twenty two euros and see the city. Well, that's cool. That's all. and then, you know, and sometimes some of those can be either good or bad. But it's good. It's, I, I like it when it's good in a city because then you sort of get the. That's also a good one to to, to go when you first come to a city and go. Oh, let, let's get the lay of the land. That's right. Go on one of those things, and then you go. Okay, then you get more confidence. Like, oh, okay, I can go here, and let's go here, and let's go here, and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I do that in some of the places here in the U.S. too. So, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's fun to play tourist and get your bearings, <laughs> right? And especially exactly. in a large city like that, it's now it's not. You know, you're not going to see huge skyscrapers because um, I, I'm sure there's some sort of historic ordinance that uh, prohibits that. But I mean, y'all, it's the third largest city in the whole freaking country of Germany. And I will say there were on several occasions where I either got off at the wrong stop or whatever. And if you're anywhere within the urban part of Munich, if you're not in one of those little suburbs, just look up in the sky because what I'm wanting you to look for, it's two steeples with these big domes on them. And that's the Cathedral Church of Our Later. Lady, excuse me, I misspoke. The Cathedral Church of Our Lady. Um, if you get lost, and I did, and there was at one point where I come up out of the wrong subway, and I was like, "Damn it all, where am I?" <laughs> and I and I saw those steeples, and I remember a guide from the day before. She she pointed out those steeples, and I just walked toward the steeples, and there I was. <laughs> I could find my way around. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Well, I mean, before we let you go, thanks for, yeah. for giving us a tour of Munich and stuff like that. But we want our listeners to know about your also awesome podcast as well. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Well, it's it's a new one. Uh, in fact, I am still in the process of loading them ready to go for iTunes. So I do not have an iTunes subscription yet, but hopefully by the time this airs, that will have happened. And by the way, for the folks that are listening, I could not have done this without the games. They have been extraordinary mentors of mine. So thank you all. Um, so, um, but at any rate, my podcast is Corbin in the Dell, like Farmer in the Dell, but Corbin in the Dell. And uh, for now, if you go to CorbinInTheDell.com, you'll see a few of my uh, new episodes. Um, I am focusing on uh, food and agriculture and beverage through um, uh, through each of the cities I go through, and there there's a, almost always a music um, attribute to it. In fact, I try to record live music in every place I go, so you'll usually get some sort of flair of what that town's like. And I try not to have something that would be stereotypical. So, for example, I'm working on a Germany podcast right now. There's not an oompa sound in the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. But that, that's also, you know, I mean, didn't you find sort of that Munich, you know, really lended to, to your listeners and to, and to your, you know, uh, to your subject matters and stuff? Oh, yeah. And, of course, you know, y'all got to remember uh, with Munich, you've got greats like Mozart and Weber and Wagner and Strauss, you know, all of those classical composers that we think of from from art history and music history days. But you've also got uh, an extraordinary wealth of uh, – I enjoyed listening to some of the street talent while I was there. Um up the road, a little piece in Garmisch. I went to a uh, music festival up on one of their mountains. Uh, what was the name of that festival? 
uh, gosh darn it. Um, it's the festival, German festival. <laughs> I draw a blank. Could you? Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, uh, but I, I will say that the I, while I was in Germany, I think I probably um, saw some of the whitest hip hop I've ever seen. Um, I saw a really cool band that uh, would rival any um, American uh, Americana band. I mean, there was everything from a fiddle and mandolin to a flute up on stage. Um, so you name it. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We totally appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. And you know what? If folks want to follow me on some of my other travels, and who knows, you and I will probably meet up on the road again soon. Uh, but uh, my Instagram handle is Mel Corbin. That's M-E-L-C-O-R-B-I-N. And you never know where I'm going to turn up. <laughs> Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.